Hello, thanks for checking out our sermon video series. If you've been keeping up with us, we're in the middle of a series of lessons called Mastermind. What we're looking at is the mind of Jesus, the mind of the Master. In Romans 12, Paul said that we'd be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In other words, the way we act changes when the way we think changes. And we're supposed to think like Jesus if we're Christians. So each week we've been looking at different topics and trying to pull out and examine how does Jesus think about this issue, this topic, and do I think about it that way? And if not, what needs to change so that I can have the mind of the Master, so that I can think like Jesus and be transformed by the renewing of my mind? Well, this week our topic is evangelism. How many of you have that kind of a reaction to the word evangelism? It makes you cringe just a little bit. Uh, i got to be honest, I'd, I've always kind of cringed and shied away from evangelism. It didn't stop me uh, always. It didn't let it stop me, but I always wasn't always thinking about it in super overwhelmingly excited terms. How about you? Well, let's set that aside for a second and, and focus in first on what Jesus thought about evangelism. It seems pretty obvious that he was for it, but let's take a, a look at a couple of things he said about it and let's see if it dials it in just a little bit more for us. Let's look first at Luke chapter 4, verse 43. Jesus said there, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So when Jesus is talking about and thinking about evangelism, he says, I was sent to do this. This is why I'm here is to talk about God, to talk about His kingdom, what He's done, what He's doing, what He's going to do. Jesus was sent for that purpose. Look what He says over in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, because He handed off to His disciples, His apostles, and to us, all the future generations of those who would follow Him and become Christians themselves, He passes on this same purpose for their lives. He says, in verse 18 of chapter 28, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And then he describes what making disciples is all about. So Jesus said the reason he was here was because he was sent to talk about God, to talk about his kingdom. And now he's saying that the reason you and I, as Christians, why we're here is because we've been sent to do the very same thing. So I guess Jesus has some pretty strong views and some, he thinks about evangelism in some very purposeful and positive ways. So our question that we have to deal with is, do we think about evangelism the same way that Jesus does? If you had that same kind of oh, reflex when you heard the word evangelism that I normally have, it should be pretty obvious that we're probably not thinking about it the way that Jesus does. If that's the case, then where do we start? What do we address first so that we can think about this like Jesus does? It makes sense to me that the first place we ought to start is defining our terms. What exactly is evangelism? Do we really think about it the right way or the wrong way based on understanding what it really is or what it isn't? So as we start this topic, I think we ought to look at what evangelism is and what it isn't. Evangelism, at its core, is just talking to people about Jesus. 
It's not that complicated. It's just talking about Jesus. Wherever Jesus was evangelizing, he was talking about what God has done, what he's doing, what he's going to do. He was talking about the kingdom of God. And it's really no different whenever we evangelize. It's talking about God. It's talking about Jesus, what he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do, what he thinks, what he wants. You know, we talk about our politicians in a similar way, don't we? I mean, think about it for a second. How many conversations have you had about a president or a candidate for a local office even, and you cover the same topics in the conversation, either positively or negatively, you talk about what they've done, what they're doing, what they're going to do, what they think, what they want. It's pretty normal to talk about that, talk about them in that way. Well, Jesus isn't an elected politician. He's king. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So evangelism seems like it'd be the most natural thing in the world if it's just talking about Jesus. But unfortunately, that word evangelism carries with it some stereotypes and some misconceptions. So let's talk for a second about what evangelism isn't. And this is by no means an exhaustive list. But these are four things that came to my mind off the top of my head to to share, to just kind of draw the contrast between what evangelism is, biblically speaking, and what we sometimes think it is. First one is, evangelism isn't inviting people to church services or events. Does that surprise you? What do I mean by that? Am I telling you there's something wrong with inviting people to church and church events? No, no, not at all. In fact, next week, as I'm recording this, next week is Easter, and I'm hoping that every Christian will be inviting people to come to church. But inviting people to come to church or an event is not the same thing as evangelism. I think too often what happens is we invite people to come to church and hope that the preacher or somebody else will talk to them about Jesus. So evangelism isn't inviting people to your church services or events. It will often include those things. So don't get me wrong, I'm not against those things. I want to encourage you to invite people to all kinds of things like that. But understand, you also need to talk about Jesus if you're going to do evangelism. Second thing, evangelism isn't Amway. What do I mean by that? Well, it's not about selling Jesus or selling your church. I don't think we have to sell Jesus. I think the gospel is good news, and it stands on its own. I think it does its own work. In fact, when Jesus talked about it, he talked about it as scattering seed in one of his parables. We're not supposed to sell it. We're just supposed to toss it, throw it out in our conversation. And if that seed falls on the right kind of soil, then the life of Jesus will be reproduced in that person. The gospel bears its own fruit. We don't have to sell Jesus. We don't have to sell our churches. We just need to be willing to talk about him. Third, evangelism isn't badgering, annoying, or yelling at people. I think we've all seen examples of people who have thought that that was evangelism. Uh, it is something, but I don't believe that it's evangelism. I don't think we need to talk about that one anymore. Fourth one, evangelism isn't weird or embarrassing. Not if you love Jesus and you're bought into what he's doing. 
years ago, uh, when my kids were little, uh, they were with me, and I used to carry around, and a lot of us did it at, at Greater Alton, we had these little business card size uh, invitations to come to church or to come to some of our small groups, and it was pretty common for us to pass those out and invite people to come to things. Well, I'm a divorced dad. I didn't have my children living with me all the time. And uh, I would have them for the weekends. And on one particular weekend, I've got twins, a boy and a girl, Justin and Chelsea. And they're in the back seat. My wife's with me. And we're going to go through a drive through and, and grab something to eat. And they're probably seven, eight years old, something like that. And they're just chirping it up, having a good time in the back seat, noisy like kids of that age would be, right? We're ordering, and as the guy comes to the, uh, the drive-thru window, and I, I used to do this a lot back in the day, I handed him one of my cards, he took it, and I, I said, hey, listen, I'd like to invite you to come to church with us. And the guy had a reaction that wasn't, wasn't favorable. Uh, in fact, I believe he threw the card back <laughs> in the window at me. Uh, that was not an untypical response that I had whenever I would invite people to church that way. Uh, so I just it was just like normal, right? I get our order, we're pulling away, and I made it about a half a block whenever I realized that the car was stone cold quiet. Now, it had been just a hub of activity in the back seat, just a noise level way up here, and all of a sudden, it's crickets. There's nothing going on. And then all of a sudden, the silence breaks by my daughter, Chelsea, who happens to be the lady that's now interpreting the video next to me in this video. Uh, she breaks the silence by saying, well, how embarrassing was that? <laughs> and it was just one of those, those moments that was just so funny to me that I, I actually cherished it. It was, it was funny. By the way, she went on to become quite, uh, quite adept at talking to people about Jesus herself. She did a lot of that on her own. In fact, there were times when I had to pull her out of situations that she was getting herself into, especially in her teenage years. My point is, it wasn't weird or embarrassing to me. Now, whenever my daughter was young, she didn't understand that much about evangelism. She didn't understand that much about what Jesus was doing and what he had done. She didn't have the full picture. But I had started to come, that, that picture had started to come into view for me. And so it was becoming more and more natural for me to talk about Jesus. And I was more and more excited about inviting people to come to the things that we were doing in his name. You see... It wasn't weird or embarrassing for me because I loved Jesus. I loved him then. I love him more now. And I'm bought in to what he's doing. You see, when you talk about something that you're passionate about, it's not weird. It's normal. What are you, you, you actually, you'll, you'll find yourself, if you're passionate about something, you'll find yourself compelled to talk about it. What do you feel like you're compelled to talk about? In fact, it's, here's another way to answer that question. Ask yourself, what is it that I talk about the most? Probably that's what you're compelled to talk about. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9.16. He said, if I proclaim the message, it's not, about, it's not to get something out of it for myself. I'm compelled to do it. And I'm doomed if I don't. See, Paul says that he felt compelled to talk about the message, to talk about what God has done, what he's doing, what he's going to do, the gospel of the kingdom. He was passionate about it. He was compelled to talk about it. 
What do you talk about the most? There's a clip that I'm going to show on Sunday morning, just for time's sake, I'm not going to put it on this video, but it's from a comedian named Brian Reagan, and he has a part of one of his skits called The Me Monster. And if I'd encourage, just Google it, Brian Reagan, Me Monster, you'll find the clip. It's hilarious, and mostly because we've all run into people who have the Me Monster. Uh, you'll recognize them because you're starting to have a conversation or people are having a conversation and they always find a way to turn the conversation back to make it about them. Now, whatever you talk about, well, they've got a bigger story. They always make it about themselves. And people are repelled by the me monster. Are you the me monster? Do you have a me monster that comes out? Do you talk about what you talk about the most? Is it about yourself? If it is, you need to understand that doesn't win people over very often and it does nothing for evangelism. It's actually more repelling than it is anything else. Sadly, the truth is, Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 34, that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A verse that we've been looking at over and over as we've gone through the series is out of Philippians 2, where we're told that Jesus emptied himself. If you let the me monster rage in your conversations, you're not emptying yourself. You're full of yourself. And when you're full of yourself, you know what you're going to talk about? Yourself. We need, if we're going to be evangelistic, if we're going to do evangelism the way that Jesus does, we need to empty ourselves and be full of the Spirit, is the way that we're told in the New Testament. Be full of Jesus, be full of His Spirit. And guess what's going to come out of us? When your heart is full of Him, He's going to come out in your conversations. So let's go another step here. What did Jesus talk about the most? And if you've got the notes for this lesson, I give you several choices down here, and I'm just asking you to circle what you think he talked about the most. Uh, the topics that I've given you are money, sex, morals, church, hell, himself, or the kingdom of God. Which one did he talk about the most? Might tell you something about what his heart was full of. You might be surprised, or maybe you're not surprised. Jesus talked about all of those things. But you don't have to be a Bible scholar to figure out. Just a quick read through the Gospels, and you'll find out what Jesus talked about the most was the very topic that he was sent here for, and that was the kingdom of God. He wanted to talk about the kingdom. He wanted to talk about God, what he had done, what he was doing, what he was going to do. He was excited. He was compelled. It was natural. Everywhere he went, Jesus was telling people, look, you need to repent. You need to stop. Stop. Just stop. <laughs> what you're doing. You need to head in a different direction because the kingdom of God is near. Now, you would think that that would make him a very unpopular guy. And it did, mostly with religious people. But all the sinners picked him out as the guy they wanted at all of their parties. I don't know if you know that or not, but Jesus was always getting invited to people's parties by people that, that you wouldn't think would naturally want to associate with him because he was going to tell them, look, you need to repent. You need, I mean, that's a word that, it, it sounded different in his day and in his language. It's one of those words like evangelism that's taken on a different flavor in our culture but the essence of it was you need to stop. You need to abandon your agenda, and you need to embrace mine. And yet people wanted him at their parties. 
Jesus even got a reputation for being a party guy because he was always getting invited to these parties. Check out Matthew eleven nineteen, and you'll read about it. They accused him of being a party boy. You don't get that reputation by going to a party once or twice. Here's a question I have for you. Do you think non-Christians will want you at their parties if you talk about Jesus? Well, I think some of them will if you talk to them the way that Jesus talked to people. So as we're talking about changing our minds to align with the thoughts of Jesus whenever it comes to evangelism, if evangelism is just talking to people about Jesus, what he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do, then I think our, our application steps are going to be about how do we talk to people like Jesus did. So I've got a few things to share with you that hopefully will profit you. The first thing that I think we need to do is to love God and to love people. Jesus loved God, loves God, and loves people. If we're going to have the mind of the Master, if we're going to be like Him and think like Him and be transformed by the renewing of our minds, it's got to start with what He called the greatest command and the second that was next to it, which is love God, love people. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said this. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You know, that imagery of everything that the Bible, where Jesus is talking about the law and the prophets, that's in his culture, the people he's talking to, that means the whole Bible. He summed up the whole Bible with just love God and love people. And what he says is it all hangs on these two. Have you ever seen a painting or a picture that's hanging lopsided? It's, it's crooked. It, it's sometimes hard to make out what's really in the picture if it's turned the wrong way, right? If it's not hanging straight, it definitely doesn't look like it was supposed to look if it's hanging lopsided. Your evangelism will always hang off balance, lopsided, distorted, if it's not hanging on loving God and loving people. So how can I love God and love people? How can I be like Jesus like this? How can I think like that and be transformed by the renewing of my mind? Well, I've got a couple suggestions. The first suggestion is to be curious and interested in both God and people. Now, I say be because you can't act interested. That's being a hypocrite. That's an actor. A hypocrite is an actor. You need to actually be interested. And ask questions is probably the best way to do that. In your conversations, what you'll notice is most people like to talk about themselves. And if you'll give them the opportunity, if you're actually interested, if you're actually curious, and you'll ask questions about what do they think and what are they doing? What do they like? What, just natural conversation. They'll tell you. Best way to love God and love people is to start with being curious and interested. In your relationship with God to love Him, start with being curious about Him. Start with being interested in Him. If you're not praying and asking God questions, if you're not looking for His answers in His Word, Maybe you're not that curious or that interested in God. 
maybe you need to change how you think about that. Okay, second thing we can do to talk to people like Jesus, and just to come back to it, when you love God and you love people, the way you talk to people will change, and you'll begin to talk to people more like Jesus did. The second thing we can do to learn to talk to, Je talk to people like Jesus did is to buy into God's agenda. Now, you might think that this would be fairly simple, but have you ever asked yourself, what exactly is God's agenda? Like I said, the evangelism is talking about God, what He's done, what He's doing, what He's going to do. He's had, a, throughout all of history, God has had an agenda. Do you know what that is? I'll try to summarize it. God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. If you're looking at your notes, you'll see that that's in quotes. That's because everyone to be saved and to understand the truth is a direct quote from 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth because he is restoring all things. That's another quote, restoring all things, just like he always promised he would. You'll find that quote in Acts 3.21 and Revelation 21.5. God, through Jesus, has already started restoring everything. He wants everyone to be saved, and he wants them to understand what he's up to. He wants them to understand that, I mean, who really thinks this world is perfect the way that it is? I mean, just turn on any cable news channel and you'll find lots of things that are wrong. If you were unaware, which I doubt, <laughs> I think we most of us have got lots of ideas about what's wrong with this world. I mean, it's filled with violence. It's filled with hate. Uh, we, we yell for justice and often betray the principle now we're going after it to try to treat this one with justice. We sometimes do injustice to this one. This world is messed up. It's filled with sickness and disease and death. You know, what God's up to is He's restoring all things. He's making all things new. Not necessarily all new things. He's making all things new. What does that mean? Well, my best guess is his intention is to set things back to the way that he originally created them. We're talking about page one of the Bible. Those first three chapters, we get a lot of information about God's story and how this thing all began, how it got off track, and it sets the stage to tell us what his agenda is for correcting us. He's making all things new. He's getting rid of hate. Where this is all going is a world that is restored and new, pristine like it was in the beginning. No hate. No violence. No injustice. And no death. You know, interestingly enough, I had some neighbors that I, I love in the old neighborhood that I lived in, and uh, they were atheists. Good people. Now, if that shocks you, then you need to reconsider how you're looking at people who don't agree with you. These are good people. But they don't believe that there's a God. I'm talking to them just naturally, uh, about Jesus. And I explained to them, you know, this is where the Bible's going with this. This is what the Bible claims this, that God is up to. This is God's agenda. And I asked them, if that's true, if that were true, is that something that you would want to see happen? Is that something you could buy into? And they looked at each other and said, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that would be heaven on earth, what you're describing there. If that was true, it would be heaven on earth. Man, they got the message, and it wasn't hard. 
Now, they, they didn't leave that conversation persuaded that God is real or that that's really his agenda. But that is his agenda. And I'm bought into it. Are you bought into it? It's worth getting excited about. And it's one of the reasons why I have a hard time not talking about Jesus. Third way we can talk to people like Jesus is to learn to make the most of every opportunity. What am I talking about? Well, that's it's actually a, a, a direct quote from Colossians 4, verses 5 through 6. The Apostle Paul there said this. He said, Be wise in the way you act towards those who are outside the Christian faith. Make the most of your opportunities. Everything you say should be kind and well thought out so that you know how to answer everyone. Okay, this is one of those verses that is just loaded with all kinds of things to talk about, so I'm going to try to hit the high points, just break it apart, and I won't be able to do this justice, but I'm going to try to give you just a little bit of information about each one of these, because there's about four big things in this. The first one is, to make the most of every opportunity, we need to be wise in the way you act. What that means is, you need to make sure that you're not being unnecessarily offensive. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't know if you've figured this out yet or not, but Christianity is offensive. It just is. You've got Jesus, a historically undeniable figure who claims to have all authority in heaven on earth and demands that people abandon their agenda and embrace his. That's offensive to people until you realize who he is and what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. But Christianity, at first blush, is offensive. And we live in a time and a place where everybody finds reasons to be offended about all kinds of things. It's not wise to try to make Christianity into something that it isn't by trying to tailor the message and make it less offensive. The gospel isn't what we need to make less offensive. What God is up to any reasonable person should be on board with that if they believe that God is real. But what makes evangelism and ourselves unnecessarily offensive are things like hypocrisy. Pretending that you really love Jesus when really you don't act any different than people who don't go to church, who don't claim to be Christians. I could go on and say more about that, but arrogance, rudeness, pushiness, all those kinds of things are unnecessarily offensive, and it's not wise. We're called to be wise in the way we act. Paul went on to make the second point, which is to make the most of every opportunity. What that means is we need to be ready to talk. We need to be ready to talk. Our culture is always talking about their worldview. Check out any social media, and you'll hear people talking about what they think, what they feel, what they, they rage about some topics, and they seduce with other topics. People are talking about things all the time, and, and how many experts on all sorts of sides are talking about, well, this is the way this is, and this is the way that should be, and this is what's really right, and that's what's really wrong, and how many of those people are thinking like Jesus about those topics? in the workplace, in your neighborhoods, with your friends, I find that for myself, I'm always in conversations where someone will bring up something, well, this is, this is cool, it should be like that, and Jesus would say something different. 
I've learned that I don't necessarily offend people whenever I say, you know, my faith causes me to look at that different. Because people will ask me what I think about things, uh, even if they don't know that, I, that I'm a pastor at a church, they'll often ask me, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And it's very simple for me to just say, well, you know, my faith causes me to look at that different, and then tell them how I'm trying to look at that topic the way that Jesus seems to be looking at that topic. It sometimes leads into a deeper conversation about Jesus. Again, because I don't act interested and curious, I am interested and curious, I'll often follow up that conversation with, well, what do you think about Jesus? And you know, people will actually answer that question. It's not a threatening question to most people. And then they'll tell you what they know or what they don't know. Sometimes they know a lot about Jesus. Sometimes they've heard some things that are not true of Jesus. And because if you're passionate about Jesus, if you love him, you'll always want to say, well, that's not the Jesus that I know. And you can begin to talk with him. And it just very naturally, you begin to talk to people about Jesus and about God and his kingdom the way that Jesus did. It's kind of cool, actually, the way that that works out, but we've got to be ready to make the most of every opportunity. And that means being ready to talk. And that leads into the third thing that Paul talks, at, talks about, which is that everything you say should be kind and well thought out. That means that you need to be thinking about how you would talk about some of these things before they happen and to make sure that they're kind and that they're well thought out. It's part of the reason why I prompt you with a couple of just ways that I introduce topics, the way that I respond to questions, and the way that I show my, my love for God and love for people by being curious and interested in them. That's why I suggest saying, well, my faith causes me to look at this differently than you're looking at it, and explaining how that works. And maybe if the door is open to ask him, well, what do you think of Jesus? What do you know about him? It opens it up, but that doesn't happen if I don't think about it ahead of time. It also doesn't happen if I'm mean, or if I'm arrogant, or if I'm superior, or I talk down to people. I don't think Jesus did that. See, everything you say should be kind and well thought out, I think means lifting up Jesus without putting other people down. I don't think people are always turned off by Jesus. I think they're turned off by people putting them down. And you can definitely lift up Jesus without putting other people down, but you need to be kind and you need to think about it before it happens. The last thing is, he says all this so that you can know how to answer everyone. Now, he didn't say that you should know what to answer everyone. Uh, the truth is, is you may not always know what to answer. I get asked tough questions all the time, and a lot of times I don't know what the answer is. But Paul's making the point, even if I don't know what to answer, I can know how to answer. And that's what we got to learn, to talk to people the way that Jesus does, the way that Jesus did, the way that I believe he still does. We need to know how to answer. And I think the points we just covered take us a long way towards that. Okay, so... I'm going to stop it here. This is a topic that we could talk about for hours and days and never even really get to the heart of it all the way. But we have to stop here for right now. I hope what we've talked about today gets you thinking 
about evangelism more like Jesus does. And I hope that you've seen that this isn't rocket science. This isn't 911. It's not pass-fail. This isn't difficult. Not if you love Jesus and you're bought into His agenda. If you are, this is actually the most natural thing in the world, to just talk to people about Jesus. Who else compares to Him? What else compares to what He's doing? Nothing. It's not weird and it's not embarrassing to be compelled to talk about a king that you're so passionate about and an agenda that you're so fully bought into. I'm going to pray, ask God to bless you, and we'll close out this lesson. Heavenly Father, thank you again for allowing us to be a part of your family, to inherit the family business and to work in the field with you doing what Jesus did about taking the message of you, your kingdom, what you've done, what you're doing, what you're going to do, about your agenda and your love for people to the world. Father, I pray that you'll make all of us as Christians crazy excited like Jesus was about this, that we will come to think of ourselves as being here for the purpose of telling that story to people, sending that message out. Jesus said that's why he came. If we're going to think like him, we need to think that that's why we're still here. Father, we love you. We're so far from what we need to be. But the gospel isn't made more effective by me being perfect. I just need to be honest and talk about you and not make it about me. So, Father, I pray that you'll continue to work on me in this area because I want you to reach, you've told us you want everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So, Father, I want to play my role in that. And, Father, I pray that you'll help every Christian who hears this lesson live or through this video to embrace that same exciting opportunity, that commission, that great commission to take you to the rest of the world. Father, teach us to talk to people like Jesus did. I pray that we'll be invited to parties by people who don't know you, but know that we're going to talk about you. I pray that you'll change us and make us that kind of people that, like Jesus, they'll want us at their parties. Father, I pray that your reputation will grow and grow in our towns, in our states, in our country, and in our world. Father, help us to be salt and light like you've called us to be. Thank you again for saving us and for making us a part of this. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.